Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 10, issue 484. And I'm very happy to say that today we're going to be talking about Bubble Bubble. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Chris O'Regan. Hello. And Mikhail Croder. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Here it comes. And the rest, you'll probably know. Yeah, just, the just... rest, we're, uh, do you know what? I did actually think, I did wonder if I, I, I could ask Jay to, we could make this the only podcast which has a full audio bed running from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And it is just <laughs> yeah. the bubble bubble theme. Yeah, because that, you know, that's that is totally a thing. part of the experience. Bubble Bubble is, for those who don't know, it's a 35-year-old game, so it'll probably be older than some of our listeners. What is it? It is a cute yet fiendish 100-level single-screen co-op platformer starring a pair of bubble-blowing dragons or dinosaurs released into arcades by Taito in 1986. I just want to say there are a lot of Bubble Bubble games and the series span off in multiple directions and it's still kind of going. Uh, but this show won't feature the mighty sequel that is Rainbow Islands, nor that follow-up, uh, the follow-up to that Parasol Stars, nor the spin-off Puzzle Bobble series. We intend to look at those games in depth in future podcasts. So what I decided to do for this show was take the original Bubble Bobble, make that our main focus, and we'll of course also talk about the conversions, the ports, the emulations, and the sort of direct sequels mm. to Bubble Bobble. Strictly bubble blowing. Yeah. Only the bubbles, no the rainbows, and yeah, so parasols and all those. Yeah. So, what are our histories with this venerable old game, Chris? So, this is a very important game for me um, for a variety of reasons. First of all, it's excellent; otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it, right? Well, not necessarily, but that's the point. But I first encountered it when I made the jump from eight bit to sixteen bit. Um, I migrated from the Amstrad over to the Atari ST. And whilst I was playing games like, you know, Dungeon Master and Oids and the Usual Suspects and Captain Blood, I was also uh, informed and told about this awesome arcade game, which is uh, Bubble Bobble. And uh, people were getting quite excited at the time about how well... The Atari ST and the Amiga would actually, and indeed the DOS PC, would do actually replicating this game because it is eh, relatively not particularly uh, demanding, at least from the the uh, initial view. It's not true at all. It is quite demanding, as we will talk about later on in the show. But it's oh, this be good. So I, I I got a copy. Uh, I bought because I. Back then, I bought even the game's stuff, and uh, I uh, slapped it into my my my, heart, my Atari ST, and um, my eyes almost popped out my head because it looked and sounded really close to the original. It isn't. Uh, if you compare, um, there's lots of problems. I say problems. There's emissions. Um, there's not as many bu- bubbles can appear on the screen. Also, there's only 16 colours as opposed to the, I think the 256 or something like that. Um, but and as in, there's not as much animation either. Nevertheless, it was an excellent port, uh, and uh, I had a great time with it. With and also my friends as well. And it is definitely, definitely a co-op game, one of the earliest of uh, of its kind. And it's just that's my personal, that's my sort of my introduction to it. And I've always had an affection towards it, and I always. 
if I get the chance at an arcade or something, I would always play it. I, but I never actually owned a copy since PST. At least I don't think so. I never bought any other copies until relatively recently when we started talking about it uh, for this particular episode of Kane and Rinse. So um, it's been a bit of an eye-opener for me sort of playing these different ports as well. Some better than others. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's 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 quite um that's that's for me is the the opening of the door to uh sixteen bit gaming was mm. believe it or not, uh bubble bubble, which sounds bizarre, but honestly if you look uh, there 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 are eight bit ports, the MSX being exceptional and also the Sega Master System and the NES, but we're not we'll talk about those later. But yeah, that for me it, it, it signifies my migration from the eight bit to sixteen bit. And that's one of the reasons why I, I have a lot of affection for it, because it was a wonderful introduction. So there you go. Fair enough. And uh, I know you've been playing some of the other versions, but we'll talk about those mm. uh, as we yes. go through. Yes. Mikhil, how about you and the legend of Bubble Bubble? Not a massive history. Um, I first played Bubble Bubble uh, on the NES in an, an in-store version on a kiosk in uh, a neighborhood toy store. This was when we already had our NES with all the games on it. Aye. And it looked... Uh, that was genuinely my first uh, ever um, yeah, acquaintance with the game. And it looked so much fun and it looked so joyful. And it had two-player co-op. So we were playing it quite a bit and thinking, okay, this is going to be our next purchase. Uh, but then we got a little bit better at the game and we got a little bit further... And uh, you started getting all these crazy levels with hardly mm. any room to move around and like really puzzling, bizarre level designs where there were like little openings somewhere. And how do you even get there? And I feel like, you know, you, you we started feeling like, oh, there were sections in the screen where you were absolutely stuck and everything, yeah. uh, which funnily enough, cooled us down uh, on the game quite a bit. And mm. um yeah, made us decide that we would uh, probably uh, buy something else. I, I can't remember what exact other game we picked, but uh, yeah, we forewent our uh, initial. Um, you fools! Yeah, forewent our initial uh, plans to, to buy pu- Bubble <laughs> Bubble. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a game that uh, once you become aware of it, you always see everybody talking about it, and it's always everywhere being mentioned, right? And in some way. Or form or fashion, I've uh, had a, after all, still still a relationship with uh, the Bubble Bubble games or the spin-offs, uh, everything else that came came after it. Um, also a big fan of um, uh, Bubble Symphony on the on the Sega Saturn, and um, yeah, I have gone back to the arcade version quite a bit over the years, uh, mainly via the Taito Legends compilation on the on the PlayStation Two. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well. Bubble Bobble is a very special game for me, as you will no doubt pick up throughout this show. It's my personal nomination for this volume of the podcast. I thought it was high time as the game's uh, about to hit its 35th anniversary around now. I thought it was high time we finally managed to uh, to cover it. I don't remember the exact very first time I first saw it in an arcade, but I do remember playing it in the arcades of Brighton a lot. I remember it being quite a ubiquitous machine. I read, I've done a lot of research into this game in the last few weeks and learned some things that even I didn't know as a, as a big 
long-standing fan of the game, but one thing I did read was that uh, somebody put in one of their pieces that they didn't think Bubble Bubble was that widely distributed in the UK, but uh, but I saw it everywhere in Brighton. Like uh, You'd have uh, to think so, right? Because Taito had a very big distribution network uh, globally yeah. outside of Japan. Yeah. And uh, I, I even played it uh, in an arcade uh, at one point uh, in an Astro City cab with via the Jamma ah, okay. connection, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they have a like uh, arcade club that we often mention and name check. I know we've got some listeners there. Hello, arcade club. Uh, they have a. I think they've got a, a Rainbow Islands in an Astro City. But yeah, mm. I used to. I think the, their Bubble Bubble is one in one of the sort of generic stand-up cabs by Electro Coin or one of those. Yeah, uh, that's where Video I used wizard. to see it. Yeah, used to see it around Brighton um, and uh, play it whenever I saw it. Uh, I will still, you occasionally, very occasionally, still find a Bubble Bobble machine in the wild and I would still play it. But obviously they became slightly less common in the wild, but I would continue to play it uh, first on the Amiga, which was a very similar version to that ST version that Chris played, albeit with, you know, the usual sort of sound upgrades, but it was fairly much a straight port. Uh, Then I later had the Saturn version, in the double pack with Rainbow Islands. I know Chris has just got the PS1 version of that. We'll talk more about those later. Uh, what else? Is the I... original Rainbow Islands music intact in that version? Uh, it is, I believe. Yes, it was before mm. they got cold feet about the... the somewhere the, over the rainbow. The somewhere over the rainbow situation. Yeah. Yes. So I played the double pack on the Saturn. I played also played that game, uh, that version on the PS1 with a friend to completion. That was... My my first probably would have been about ninety seven ninety eight. Finally completed Bubble Bubble for the first time, having already been playing it for years and years. Obviously played it on Mame as soon as I had a computer that could do such things. Also uh, tried playing some of the sequels on Mame, but uh, they were surprisingly demanding of emulation, mm. and they were difficult to play. It was difficult to play uh, Memories and uh, Symphony without enormous amounts of slowdown. Uh, and yeah, since then, I've bought the uh, the Arcade Archives version on PS4, which is the one I play the most, and I've been playing the most up uh, the run-up to this show. It's wonderful that there is still a uh, an official arcade-accurate version out there to, to play and buy. I think I had the, the Tato compilations on PS2 and or Xbox before, but uh, it's one of those games that I keep buying. But not only do I buy the game and play the game and continue to return to the game, I also have a set of six official Bubble Bobble mugs, one of which I'm drinking out of right now. I have the soundtrack CD. I have uh, various other items. I have the Bubble Bobble compendium book. Uh, and yeah, it's fair to say I'm, I'm a bit of a fan. But as I say, despite all that, I'm still learning, still learning about Bubble Bobble, even after 35 years. We should get into why. First, though, I did want to mention there were a couple of games prior to Bubble Bobble that Taito released that have a definite influence, even though they had different uh, producers, directors. The first one being Chuck and Pop. Mm -hmm. Before Bubble Bobble, there was Chuck and Pop, a far more obscure platform game released by Taito in 1983. Some of Bubble Bobble's ideas appear in in nascent form. A single screen platform game where the player controls a weird chicken-like creature. The aim is to retrieve a heart from one corner of the maze-like screen before rushing back to the top. Chacken's primary attack is a grenade-like weapon, which is quite difficult to control. Nevertheless, many of the enemies and collectible items are identical to those in Taito's later classic, 
The purple enemies called Monsters make their first appearance here while two levels in Bubble Bubble directly reference Chuck and Pop. That's from Mental Floss. And I think and also the main character is an enemy in Bubble Bubble, or at, they at least look very similar. Chuck, no, Chuck and reappears as the uh, sort of announcer in Puzzle Bubble. Hmm. But yeah, maybe the but sprite I, I is similar. I always feel like the, uh, the uh, Chuck and looks like those round enemies with the little propellers on their heads. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Very similar, anyway, at least. Yeah, that sorry. one is available on some of the Taito Legends compilations from the early mid two thousands. So you can uh, you can there are ways of of playing that legit, or you can emulate it, of course. And the other one worth mentioning is the Fairyland story, which is another uh, single screen arcade game from Taito, designed by Hiroshi Tsujino. This came out in 1985, uh, a year or so ahead of Bubble Bubble. And, of course, it uh, stars the witch Ptolemy, or Ptolemy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bubble yeah. Bubble then, developed by Taito. Sadly, this was one of the most famous things about Bubble Bubble for a while. Taito announced in 1996 that they'd actually lost, or binned, destroyed, the source code for the arcade version of Bubble Bubble, so all of the various ports since uh, have been reverse engineered from the arcade ROM and earlier computer and console versions, according to VG Facts. I think we are at a point where the hamster version, for example, and the version you'll download as a ROM on MAME is pretty much arcade perfect thanks to reverse engineering. But uh, but it wasn't based on the original source code, which is uh, kind of tragic. It's rather like yeah. the BBC archives when they used to bin off Peter Cook and Dudley Moore and stuff like that. Yeah, there's probably the source is then a, a rum dump, right? Like they usually do for yeah for Mame and uh, emulation. Yeah, I assume so. Yes, it makes you wonder, noting the complexity of the game, which we're going to talk about later. Maybe now, I don't know, but they may have like calculated some stuff. I'm just saying, because you know, yeah. there's a whole there's layers, everyone. Um, well, one of one of the one of the things about the home versions, of course, was that they never yeah. had access to the source code. No, uh, uh, and you know, as was the way back then, the best that home computer conversions ever really got was they got sent a coin op. But sometimes they didn't even get that; they had to actually go to the arcades and just play it, record it, watch it, study it. And of course, with Bubble Bubble, you would never work out everything that was going on just by doing that. No, uh, no, no matter how closely you watched it it would take you decades to actually work out the sort of intricacies of it but i think uh essentially if you play the the ps4 hamster version or whatever the latest rom download is today you will find that everything works like all the i've i've looked you know i've, I've comparing the the original algorithms to the game that you play now it everything works basically as it should do yeah 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 i can confirm <laughs> distributors uh, in Japan, Taito themselves, in the US, Romstar, of course, and as I say, in Europe, it was ElectroCoin with their iconic Goliath cabinets in blue and red. The designer was Fukio Mitsuji, sadly passed away in 2008, aged just 48, younger than I am now. Mm. His first game for uh, Taito was a game called Super Dead Heat, which was a kind of super sprint type of game a top-down racer with wheels on the cabinet but the difference was it was it had four monitors hence it never got converted to any home systems because it was it was all about the four monitor play uh, he followed that up with Halley's Comet which I've also been playing in the run-up to this show I did play it once or twice back in the day it's a 
vertically scrolling space shooter, and uh, I rather like it. Uh, he himself said uh, this was from an interview in 1988 with Beep magazine and translated by our friends who we support on Patreon at schmuplations.com. MTJ said uh, that's his sort of working name, so we'll go by that. I'd say my first encounter with video games probably began in 1982 with Xevious or Xevious, I know some people say. I was a college student then and Xevious was my first opportunity to experience the allure of video games. I was hooked. I had more than a few misgivings about, about Taito's games from that era. So when I first joined Taito, I unironically thought things like, I'm going to change this company's future. <laughs> I wanted to make something that would revolutionize the gaming world, which I felt had a lot of room for improvement. Looking back now, of course, it was a bit ridiculous and overambitious. But to be honest, Taito's games then seemed kind of cheap and lame to me, both in terms of graphics and gameplay. They didn't have much style or sense. Compared with Namco's offerings, they were very much lagging behind. That's precisely why I harboured these ambitions and dreams of doing something to turn things around at Taito. The game was released into arcades in Japan in September 1986, almost exactly 35 years ago at the time of recording. It arrived overseas in October in Europe and at uh, some point in North America, don't know exactly when. Here's the story because it's important that you know. This isn't actually stated in the in the arcade machine, although you get some sort of oblique references to what's going on. But in a certain village where everyone lives peacefully, Bub and Bob lived alongside their girlfriends, Betty and Patty. One day, the two girls left the village to explore the nearby woods, stumbling into a mysterious area known as the Magician's Forest. Due to their unfamiliar surroundings, the two became lost, accidentally wandering into a cave deep in the forest known as the Cave of Monsters. The girls met Super Drunk, master of the cave, who kidnapped them and trapped them on the 100th floor. Bub and Bob set out to rescue the two, but ran afoul of Super Drunk as well, who transformed them into bubble dragons. Big mistake. Using their newfound abilities, the two set out to journey through all 100 floors of the cave in order to rescue the girls. Thanks to the Bubble Bubble Wiki. Yeah. Really trying to figure out how A, B, and C came together like this. Like, yep. Uh huh. Went out, encountered a person called Super Drunk. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. yeah. We're okay so far. Then t takes them away and puts them in a cave that's mm -hmm. 100 levels deep. All right. Mm -hmm. Spelunking. Fine. All right. Then we come to the bit where you turn into bubble dragons. I'm just... Yeah. It was the obvious next step. It was the obvious next step. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it is the standard yeah. hero sort of like six stage nonsense. We know that, you know, but I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, fantastic. I just, it's, it's delightful, it, isn't it? It, I mean, it is absolutely delightful. Utter really nonsense, is. whimsy, yeah. but, but yeah, just really sweet and cute and kind of, yeah. And if you also, I, I remember there was a retro gamer magazine article from quite a few years ago now, because that's been going a surprisingly long time, probably about 15 years ago, where the uh, the legendary uh, Sinclair user and, and Mega Power writer Stuart Campbell tried to piece together the entire plot of Bubble Bobble, the series, the saga across all the games. And uh, and in the end, it just kind of the the font gets smaller and smaller, and it, turns, it just fades out to nothing because uh, <laughs> because it was impossible. It's just complete nonsense. 
<laughs> super as drunk as, as, as well. Um, yeah. Uh, he kind of has like these rosy cheeks and he, and he uh, hurls empty bottles around. Yeah. yeah. He's, and he's got a little yeah. stick. Let's talk about the visuals of the game. Uh, every screen takes place on a jet black backdrop because that's what you could do back then. Um, but it's sort of, yeah, it gives it uh, a certain look that we've talked about before on, uh, on video game shows. But in front of that jet black is uh, a, yeah, uh, a kind of pseudo 3D isometric drawn uh, series of platforms, all different colors, a number of different styles and tile sets for different kinds of rooms. And over the top, of course, you've got all these bubbles, mainly green and blue as you throw them out of your dinosaur, but they change to uh, to pink and red and burst and you get different colored ones. You got these multicolored sprites jump, jumping about all over the place. But I think we should start as well, really, with the main characters themselves, because I still don't think for me, I, there's never been a character in a game I've adored more than Bob and Bob. <laughs> yeah, they're they're quite extraordinary. Their uh, their design and uh, yeah, I like the way their little tails thump the ground. Yes, they're, when they're not moving, yeah. like what are we doing? Come on, we've got to go. Come on, st-. no, no, just, just chill. We've got to stay here, otherwise we'll die. <laughs> uh, but uh, sorry, that's a, that's a thing for later on. But yeah. The big eyes, the big bulbous eyes, and the big yeah. sort of like lolping. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's those vertical stripes of eyes, right? Those big cartoony eyes. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. Uh, with the, the color schemes and the, 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 the type of proportions that are being used where they have very big baby-like heads. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's especially this kind of character that uh, starts with Bob and Bob. Um, that has made Bubble Bubble even more than the sum of its parts and more enduring than it has been. Mm. That or than it otherwise would have been, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, so much with so little, these chibi little dinosaurs, bags and bags of personality with not that many frames of animation. Yeah. Uh, snapping mouths and thumping tails. And uh, that's really, you know, they're, they're quite simple in some ways. Yeah. But uh, but they they say so much uh, when they when they spin over backwards when they take a hit it's sad yeah and when they stand uh, there with their little signs up yeah yeah that's yeah. cute too the asking you to join in player two I mean, it's basically it's an advert for you to spend money but it, <laughs> it works <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and also my other kind of as as much as I love the sort of the the slightly abstract nature of the levels the the fact that they're all played on these uh, played out on these black backdrops and of course they make no sense in any real world no. scenario context at all this is pure video game land uh i love all of the collectibles in this game like particularly just the the, the regular points items which work up from uh simple vegetables and again because this is a mid 80s game i could imagine now they might do this the other way around so that the uh the really unhealthy items are the ones that get you loads uh not so many points and the and the good old you know nutritional vegetables are the ones that get you the the high points but no this is 1985 or 6 and it's designed to be appealing to children and and young folks and the more valuable the item the more sickly sweet it looks and i love all those sprites so much from yeah. the the very common bunches of bananas worth just 500 points 
all the way up to the uh, well. There's there's all the the Japanese stuff. There's a bunch of sushi things, but there's also sticky desserts and sundays, and there's a foaming mug of beer. And I yeah. just I'm still collecting those items 35 years down the line, and I still think they look delicious. All of them, Jello Jello puddings, yeah, uh, all sorts of. I even got some um, McDonald's style. McDonald's fries. fries, yeah, yeah McDonald's, yeah. A pack of French fries. The golden arches are upside down, so they, they have are. To yeah. be known as McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying the exact same thing to my daughter when we were playing together. Yeah, and then uh, and because the last... it's a game for girls, so you play with your daughter, right? Too right, uh, and yeah. and um, the last sort of the the highest tier of items are gems and jewels and crowns and things like that. All of these items reappear in uh, in the sequels or some of the, yeah some of the sequels, yeah. Rainbow Islands and uh, and definitely. gems and jewels and what have you are definitely the most unhealthiest to eat. So yeah, it's, uh, very bad for your teeth. Oh, adds up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so and yes, I've been playing this, and sometimes we talk about older games being you know smeared across modern screens, whether the screens are too big or too LCD-ish or whatever. But uh, I, to me, and again, I know I've, I've obviously. My context is I've been playing this for 35 years, but it still looks great to me on my 49 inch LCD 4K screen. Like everything just looks really big and clear and bright and sharp. Um, and actually, you know, I have been back to play this on an original cabinet in the not too distant past at, at Arcade Club. And obviously it's wonderful. And, you know, you're getting the instant response of a CRT and whatever else. But actually having it having it in this massive like large print version to me is like heavenly mm. it is a glorious sight isn't it when you have that beaming across your your living room and it's just uh you can see everything mm. uh, every pixel does, doesn't make you any better the game though just pointing it out. <laughs> not necessarily yeah no, uh, no. there is it's one uh, of those yeah. rare occasions when it is so clear it's like Yes, you still suck. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, the audio, it's oh. already been mentioned. Yeah. The the soundtrack, the total soundtrack is is only about 15 tracks long or something and the the total length of it all is is probably about 20 minutes or something like that. Uh Alpha Records amazingly enough released a limited edition OST back in January 1987 according to arcadehistory.com. I have the CD that came with Bubble Bubble for Friends Strictly Limited Physical Edition, which uh, which has the music from that game as well on it, but it has all the original music. Uh, obviously, there's the, the high score tune and you know various other, the, the hurry up tune and things like all these little jingles. But the main theme to Bubble Bubble, yeah, uh, it, it has to go down as one of the all-time earworms. But... What I find remarkable is, I, sh I I wonder, I actually wonder if I've literally heard this piece of music more times than any other piece of music in my life. Like, it's quite possible. Playing this for dozens and dozens of hours across 35 years, I may have heard this looped more times than anything. Maybe Happy Birthday or maybe a Beatles song or something has come higher, but it's up there, right? I still enjoy it. I still enjoy it. Don't turn it off. I can't turn it. I can't play this game. You can in some options and some versions where you can just turn it. It's heretical, in my humble opinion. It's part <laughs> of... It tells you where, how you're doing, kind of-ish. Because the, the, yeah. the tempo increases when things are going wrong, in inverted commas. It depends on what you're trying to do, of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... 
extraordinary. It is, it, it is not irritating. I don't get it. It should be. <laughs> I'm sure some people find it irritating. Yeah, and I think it maybe goes on for a long time. But it it's also telling that uh, we only played it in store on the uh, NES, but mm. that tune still stuck in our head after all after all that time. And when oh, yeah. I fired up the arcade version for the first time, yeah, it all came back. There are a lot of versions of it out there on the internet, mm. as you can imagine, acapella yep. versions and metal versions. And, and I saw else. a live performance once. Uh, I was at a demo cool. scene event, and uh, they had the C64 chiptune cover band press play on tape yes uh, i yeah, think they're yeah. somewhere from a scandinavian country mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken sweden i think yeah i think from sweden and they were playing a whole set of uh c64 tunes mm. and then they kicked in the bubble bubble tune and you know the bubble bubble theme and before that everybody was having a good time yeah but everybody in the whole <laughs> hall got up to their feet and started like uh jigging around the place and uh, dancing and clapping and jumping was uh, quite quite uncanny to see. Amazing, and I also yeah. want a special shout out to the Extend music, which also plays when oh, yeah. you pick up certain items. The the invincible item, just for me, one of the most joyful little eight bars or whatever. It might not even be eight bars; it might only be four bars. I don't know. It's a very short, repetitive tune, but it makes me extraordinarily happy. Partly because I've got an extra life, but. Partly yeah. just because it's like the soundtrack. It's it's like Ode to Joy, but for <laughs> kids of 1985. Yeah. Can, we, can we cover the spot effects? Can we do that? Too? Yeah, please. I mean, that's exactly where we go now. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, I mean, it's just the timing and the audio feedback is exquisite. The only word I can use sounds a bit hyperbole, but honestly, it's... It's just like, oh, I know exactly what's happened there. And it's just unusual because you've got the music rolling along in the background and then you hear something else, something else that's done that's at a certain tone, certain key. Oh, well, that's that's good, isn't it? That sounds, what's that? And it's just, you find out something has occurred, something you've done, something maybe you picked up one of the yellow sweets and all of a yeah. sudden you're running really fast Special and jingle. stuff like that. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, that, that, it's so early on to have that. That kind of level of sound design. In yeah, the I think the, the burst of the burst of a group of bubbles is just. Oh. I, I will never tire of that sound. No, it's... Uh, the the feeling of. I mean, it's the combination. It's not just the audio, but without the audio, it wouldn't be quite the thrill that it still remains to to pop a large group of trapped enemies in one go. It's uh, it's so satisfying, and of course, again, none of the sounds. It's there's no samples involved. This is all relatively low rent you know well again not for the time but it's a it's a a couple of ym2203 and a ym3526 little three megahertz sound chips but um but again the way they've been employed uh by audio designer tadashi kimijima just remarkable uh yeah every pickup sound every special item sound i like them all it's up there with wow leveling up just <laughs> That's not heretical to say that. <laughs> Today when I was playing, I was also caught off guard by the uh, stun effect that you hear when, for mm. example, you get caught in your own fire trap or Dizzied. hit uh, one of your own uh, lightning bolts. Yeah. And uh, it sounded like, you know, like a, like a sort of an error sound or something. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, hey, did I, did I glitch the game or something? Oh, no, that's <laughs> supposed, to be the, supposed to be the sound effect for that. Yeah. 
Let's get on to actually playing the thing. Please. Mm. Very mm. simple controls. <laughs> no, Very <sorry>. simple controls. <laughs> Slow down, Lucas. Uh, you don't even need a four-way or an eight-way joystick because Bub and Bob only need to move left and right. So you could have your arcade cabinet hooked up to just two switches if you wanted, plus two buttons, jump and bubble. And then from there on, yeah, you're bubbling and you're bobbling. I don't actually know if if bobbling them is the correct term, but I feel it ought to be. Yeah. If you bubble an enemy and then you burst it, I like to think that's bobbling them. <laughs> um, the reason, I'm, of course, I'm being, being silly, but you've written in notes here, sorry, for four breaking listeners, but they're just like, you know, it's just two-way, two buttons. No, no, there's this timing and location and doing things with bubbles and jumping on them and letting yourself float free if you can. Um, it's, uh, there's, a, there's so, so much going on here. That'll and be why I've put advanced techniques further down. Indeed. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, there's lots of other notes here going on. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think we're going to talk about this in a second. But, yeah, it's even to the point where relative to where your spikes are of the back of Bob or Bub and, and the bubbles that you're trying to pop. It's all Absolutely. Mixed, it's all relevant. It's all, like, detailed in the, in the manual for the PS1 version I read today. Yeah. Yes, and indeed in the, the encyclopedia, which is not something, or the, sorry, the compendium, which, uh, which features all the original uh, design documents and instructions translated from Japanese into English, which is a very nice item that I'm very happy to have. Uh, yeah, the, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get further onto it, but we're yes. starting with the basics, uh, bubbling mm -hmm. and bobbling, as I say, mm -hmm. um, the core mechanic of the game. Bubble Bobble's enemy nobbling mechanic, according to Ryan Lammy from Den of Geek, appears to have its root in Universal's seminal 1980 coin-op Space Panic, where aliens are killed by first digging a hole, waiting for the enemies to fall in, and then bashing them while they're trapped. Bubble Bobble gives this idea a bouncy new twist. This time you blow bubbles, which encase enemies on contact, and then rush up and jump on them, or jump from below or squeeze them into a wall, thus bursting the bubbles and finishing off anything unlucky enough to be stuck inside. The other game that Space Panic made me think of, which came after, was Load Runner 1983, which, of course, it also involves you trapping enemies in holes in the floor. But yeah, it's this... more a collect them up, right? That's not the aim of the, of the yes. game with Load Runner. Yes, we should say, but... for those who, who don't know, because I didn't do it in the, the brief summary, but yes, actually clearing each of the 100 levels of bubble bubble it's all you need to do is clear all the enemies off the screen yeah and that's the same as in space panic and yeah. that's such a good shout because uh a couple of years ago we did a show on joust right mm. uh and there i also drew the comparison to to bubble bubble and i was thinking joust was maybe the game that started this off but space panic preceded that uh True. indeed because in joust yeah. there's also a twofold way to deal with enemies first you bump them on the head right. and then you you get them when they're on the ground yeah uh, and also clearing all the enemies of the screen in just uh, mm. you move on to the next level um mario brothers yep. by uh, nintendo is uh, very much the same where you have to knock enemies from below That's and then right. hop up to there and well. then and yeah. then kick them away so uh yeah oh, that that thing already started. And Space Panic, I played on the Acorn Electron way back when. Right. Uh, but then it was called, it was called just simply called Monsters at the time. <laughs> so I did play that as well. And yeah, it 
it's so interesting because it's one of these things where this kind of concept already existed of uh you know beating enemies clearing the screen of enemies by beating them in a two-step sort of uh, fashion yeah but then bubble bubble was one of those games that kind of fully established this sort of subgenre and wrote the rule book on it because everything that came after it pretty much really stuck close to the bubble bubble formula so then you got games like snow brothers of course yes tumble pop uh, joe mac return uh the list goes on and on. There's so yeah. many of these. Yeah, it was hugely influential. But even yes, that Sabot Sabot and Bomber first. game that uh, came out earlier this year on the Switch, it's yeah. pretty much a similar affair. Yeah. But there's there's uh, there's another thing to it is that like Space Panic and indeed Load Runner, the enemies can break free. They can yes. actually eventually get free of the bubble, and then when they do that, they're not best pleased, are they? They're, they're cranky. Oh, They've they're been ranked cranky. up. They're pink. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they get a bit <laughs> enraged. And also, yeah. they do that again when even when they're not trapped, when the rest of their buddies have all been wiped out by you, and like, oh, that, that's that's just not on, and they yeah. they, they go charging after you, which is quite quite amusing. They're not they're not having it. No. no. Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying uh, the yeah the time the time limit. There's a there's a time limit on the level. Yes. Uh, and uh, you get hurried up after a while. After a while, Skell Monster, aka Baron von Blubber, the skeletal white whale, appears if you're taking too long. And uh, he's un, he's an invincible enemy, rather like the pterodactyl from Joust. But there's no glitchy way of killing Baron von Blubber, as far as I know. But also uh, before, yes, between the hurry up and the uh, and the Baron von Blubber, the enemies get more cranky. But it's interesting as well. The the more you play, uh, the the and the longer you stay alive, the game gets harder, as you'd expect as you go through the levels. And once you're up to level forty odd. The enemies don't stay bubbled for very long at all. Uh, and rebubbling becomes the name of the game because whereas on the early levels, you can very casually and slowly walk towards things before you've even got the, the speed up shoe, which doubles your speed. You can just hop up some levels and blow a bubble and they go nicely encased in a green bubble and they float about and it's all very pleasing. And you take your time and you jump up in the air and you pop them and some points come out and la la la. Later on in the game, uh, you've got, you know, however many, eight or 16 or whatever, cranky, probably only eight, actually. I don't know if it goes higher than that, but a lot of cranky enemies moving very, very fast in very erratic patterns, but never random. Uh, and you bubble them and they stay bubbled for literally a split second, uh, less than a second in many cases. Uh, so you have to immediately burst or bubble them, as I like to call it. So it yeah. becomes quite a different game. Uh, there's a lot of point blanking at that point as well, yeah. which is super risky, of course. It is risky, uh, but what I do notice is that I still find that the uh, the arcade version and the emulated versions tend to be way more generous, actually, than a lot of the home versions hitboxes, mm. which were yeah. often a little bit dicey on on that stuff. Whereas yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the arcade machine lets you essentially, if you're blowing a bubble. Even if you're overlapping your hitbox with an enemy's, if you're blowing a bubble, it will let that bubble take priority. Yeah. Uh, so you can have some really clutch moments getting out of a hole like that, as I've had yeah. many in the last few yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, I inwardly, when I was playing it recently, I just called it Instabubble. When you, in, Instabubble kill, mm -hmm. in my head, when I was like, I just timed it just right. Yes. When I was just like yeah. running along, and it's like this pop one out, and like, bang, you'll, it's just, it, when, when you really get into the zone with this game, and believe me, you really do, 
that's so rewarding and you're right it's the, in the early levels it's teaching you that actually that's not a thing that you have to do on occasion that's something you always have to do towards the end yeah uh, so it's training you there's lots of things this game does uh, in training you and doing certain things, which we're going to delve into now. It's got a relatively uh, shallow difficulty curve overall, I would say, over the 100 levels. But there are some sort of noticeable leaps and sudden sometimes it will give you a level that seems to throw a real spanner in the works, at least until you've worked out the kind of most of the levels, although they do, re they all require some execution. Uh, there's there's no randomness to them, so you can effectively like it's a bit like i know expert players the way they play pac-man in that you're effectively controlling what goes on by the way you play I, I i appreciated what they what they did even if it's an early sort of embryonic way of doing it i liked what they did other techniques that we should mention uh are include well um i, th I think probably the the one that I didn't realise when I was a kid, first playing this as a 14-year-old in the arcades for a while, was the fact that you can jump on bubbles. And this becomes yeah. utterly essential fairly quickly. Yeah, but at first, much. you don't necessarily think, oh, I'll hold down the jump button and continue to leap on bubbles. But yes, uh, not that many levels in. It, suddenly, it's you need this skill to access higher, higher parts of the stage or to get certain enemies that aren't going to come down and play bubble with you. Level 19. 19. I, I, should, I, should, I should have all the levels up in front of me. I've actually... Uh, yeah. I've got it. Well, they're all in the book here. Um, yeah. But as that's, much as I've played that's this... That's a special level. That's a special... <laughs> yeah. I, I struggled with that one when... Uh, I remember back in the day when I was playing it, but when I was playing it again, it's just like, oh, yeah, this one. Yeah, I really like this one. But uh, once, you, once you figure out what you're supposed to do, it's actually quite straightforward, but... Yeah, yeah, it's very easy a lot of them to are trapped in that one. Yeah, there's a lot of working out, right? Like, mm. uh, yeah, so, and some stages are really easy, and some are, uh, okay, we've got all these enemies locked up in one space here, and uh, how do you reach them? Well, yeah. usually you get something like fire bubbles flying around or, or lightning bubbles. Yeah, or water bubbles and, and sort is of quite things. common. Water Certainly bubbles, yeah. Earlier on, the water bubbles are everywhere. And yeah. there's, there's one one with a big heart. I think that's 13. Um, that's yeah. like one of the earliest times. And then most of the enemies are sort of trapped in this big heart-shaped thing. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. no real... It's difficult to get in. You can, but it's kind of suicide if you did because they've got a bunch of yeah. land in there. So yeah. You just dive in there in the water. But I've, I've found it's difficult to actually predict where the water's going to go. Ah, uh, but right. it's not. Because like everything else in this game, you can control it. Indeed. Indeed. It depends which way you're... Your bub is facing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you can pop the bubble and move out of the way, um, so you don't you don't actually go into the heart mm -hmm. yourself, That's right? And then just let the water flush through. Yeah, you yes. just, just jump out the water flow. You don't go in there yourself. Just to jump. Yeah, out exactly. Yeah. Unless a... there's a suite in there or an umbrella, in which oh, case, indeed, I've, yeah, you've got to get an umbrella. Yeah. Go in. <laughs> Poor boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want and to do nineteen of, again? <laughs> we should say, uh, like, I, I guess uh, I know you you were saying you were playing. Uh, co-op earlier and i completed this game on the ps1 in co-op with my friend but mm. uh, i've played probably more of this game in my life solo than with co-op uh co-op yeah cooperative games at the arcade were relatively rare at the time things things tended to be verses or alternate uh, but mtj specifically designed bubble bubble with the idea of couples playing together in mind back to that uh, you know his his desire to see more 
women in the arcades, girls and women. Um, But a lot of the levels are very obviously specifically designed to be much easier with two players. That said, uh, I've watched some videos of people one CCing this solo. So it is entirely doable. You don't Mm. need to play at co-op. It's uh, (laughs) unless you want the true ending. Yeah. Because you only get that if you're playing co-op. Although you can do the thing of chucking a coin in and pressing start on two player just before you finish the game. And that also works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's this thing where like Mario Brothers, the first one was specifically designed to have a little bit of tension between cooperative and competitive play mm-hmm. because you can screw screw each other over very badly in that game, you know, like knock each other into enemies and, and things like that. But there's a little bit of a sadistic pleasure uh, that's being encouraged in that game. Here, you can't really screw each other over, but it does become a race who gets all the tasty treats all the time. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and nabbing, like some somebody's making all the kills and the other player is nabbing all the uh, rewards for it. That, yes. that sort of thing. Two ways you can screw over your co-op partner. One is you keep blowing so many bubbles that when your partner is trying to sort of remain on a small platform, that... Yeah, the bub- that your bubbles are actually pushing them off. Yeah. Uh, the other way is if some if if your your partner is uh, popping say lightning bubbles from across the stage, and yeah. the lightning comes across and stuns you when at an, at an inopportune moment. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, recommended if if the possibility is there for you, listener. If you if you do get to play this game, if you're inspired to, uh, if you can play it in co-op, obviously these things are often elevated but yeah you can also definitely sit down and play this game as a you know just as a a single player single screen at a time game there's a relatively modest number of different enemies in the game is it uh one two three four eight nine ten ten different enemies used in multiple configurations and of course depending on the layout of the level which which varies a lot as well uh, they their behavior is dictated by that What's interesting, I think, about them, uh, you know, there's a good range of enemy behaviours. Some of them float about and bounce. Some of them go in 45 degree diagonal angles. Some of them, like the invader, is based on Taito's own space invaders, which simply slide along uh, levels and shoot downwards at you. Um, But it can feel like with their rudimentary AI that they have, it does feel rather more like they're out to get you than some games like you can spot that a lot of them are are just you know kind of doing their path or whatever but their path can be affected by so many different things Mm. that even though there's virtually no rng in this game whatsoever it can the the game it gives the game a lot of variety that it might not have for a single screen platform puzzle platformer you could imagine that the game could get very repetitive and of course the early levels in particular will often play out in a very similar way. But with the sort of rudimentary physics of the bubbles and the sort of AI of the enemies and the ranking difficulty system that's going on in the background, the sort of the general chaos, it all feels quite alive, I find. Yeah, definitely. It's like these these moments where the little like droid looking things just kind of stop in the tracks and look left and right and then hop up and down and then all of a sudden they start moving again or they hop up on a on a different level it feels Mm -hmm. like they're 
Like they they have a little plan. Like they're, they're responding they're to you. Doing something. They yeah. are. Yeah. They are chasing yeah. after you. In fact, I've actually kited. I mean, I spend a lot of time yeah. kiting them because you, you do have to sometimes. Like, but even if they are on a level where you know there's no way for them to reach you, they still sort of seem very yeah. busy with with stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's only one boss level in the entire game. There is. Yeah. Uh, which is it's a bit of a shock when you get there. Uh, I knew what was coming because obviously I've been following this game for a long time by the time I got there in 1997 or 8 or whenever it was and we'd been me and my friend Pete had been practicing for I reckon a couple of years maybe a year and a half to get to this point so the Saturn version was released first of that double pack and they only gave you nine credits in that version and we just couldn't do it we couldn't do it on nine credits we weren't good enough the PlayStation version came out and Pete bought it and it had 15 credits. Obviously, the feedback from the Saturn version had been, could we have a few more credits to play Bubble <laughs> Bubble? And it gave us just about enough credits for us to, to carp it to the end. I think like it was he, nice. used, he used nine and I used six or something. And I think we, we were both just about still alive at the end. Uh, but that final boss screen, yeah. So you, you collect these, this one-time only item, which uh, allows you to actually shoot lightning rather than just pop bubbles with lightning in yeah uh, and super drunk goes he's massive sprite or probably a collection of sprites stuck together i assume he goes uh bouncing around the screen and you have to absolutely hammer him while he throws bottles at you and eventually he goes in a big bubble and uh and you, you pop, pop him what a moment what it's a moment great. that was it's so good when that happens <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. just the best it's like how do you like them apples, huh? I went through a hundred <laughs> levels of hell for you, you, you idiot. You, you shouldn't monster. have turned me into a bubble dragon. Yeah, yeah. and then, yeah. then, well, Leon, do you want to? Do we talk about this yet? Or I don't know. Is it a time to talk about the plural endings? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. Hmm. Uh, I just wanted to mention him in terms of that one and only boss fight. Indeed, um, yes. I, I, while we're still talking about the sort of uh, enemy behaving stuff, I also wanted to talk about, yeah, I've, I've mentioned it already, but uh, the physics, such as they are, and again, I think this is something that gives the game some of its timelessness and longevity, whereas some games, and, uh, you know, there's there's definitely games without these sort of seemingly more organic elements that absolutely stand the test of time, whether it be Load Runner or something like that, but... There's something about the bubbles, the way they float and drift about. Every level has uh, hidden, but viewable, as it were, or observable ventilation routes. So, again, I think when I was young playing this, probably for the first goodness knows how many years, I hadn't really clocked the fact that bubbles work differently on every level right so yeah yeah, yeah. they move in different directions exactly so it <laughs> yeah. would have made perfect sense in my head for the bubbles to always float up right i know it doesn't really make sense because they're not filled with something that's lighter than air but for the game's logic it would have made yeah. sense if every time and i think that's how it starts right the the, the first bubbles that you do blow up, float up to the middle of the room and yeah okay that's fine and then you're only a few levels in and they, they go sideways and they go down and they go all kinds of over the place. And the other aspect, again, I sort of alluded to it with the blowing knocking your friend off a platform. The bubbles also have a kind of pressure to them. Uh, rather than it just being a simple analog switch of hitbox, you know, you touch bubble, bubble bursts. 
it's way more it's way more nuanced than that you can push a bubble quite a long way across across a stage if you rush at it and give it enough of a push you can pop it you can pop it up against a wall but it yeah. can actually bump you gently off of a platform uh you can flip around so that your your spiky backside is uh, is facing the bubble to burst it and again all these little all these subtleties all play together to make this yeah just such a to me just an endlessly intriguing experience and the thing is you almost think like isn't this game a little bit too nuanced and complicated for its own good you know couldn't it uh, couldn't it um, do with a little bit more simplicity but um maybe it's precisely or maybe I, I would say definitely it's actually precisely that complexity and all those that hidden nuance to it that has made it so enduring yeah completely agree yeah. Along with the depth of it, which we shall now go into a little more, the trackers and, as I say, that near total, near total lack of RNG. Uh, so this is from Chris Moore's Bubble Bubble special items list from 1998, which is still an available resource. The game maintains a bunch of counters which keep a record of how many times you've done various things. Once a counter reaches its threshold, it is reset to zero and you get the item which that counter, counter is associated with. Counters are only checked at the beginning of each round. If two or more counters reach their thresholds in the same round, the one which is associated with the highest numbered item is used. The others will keep their value for the next screen. The counters aren't reset at the beginning of each game, which is why on the arcade game there is generally a special item on the first screen. But in emulation, the first game you play often doesn't offer, uh, doesn't offer a special item since the counters are all reset when the machine mm -hmm. is first switched on. Now, I did see one video where somebody was saying that the version they were playing seemed to be holding the counters in some kind of hexadecimal format, when they, but maybe they were just saving their state anyway. But yes, for example, on the PS4 version, the Arcade Archives version, every time you quit out, it keeps all that information. So it keeps your high scores and it keeps a record of what the what the counters were, where they were all at the last time you played. So that wraps around, whereas a lot of the other versions, previous and older versions, don't do that. So it's always a fresh start every time. So for instance, the the super magical special rare item, the lipstick you have to play 777 rounds without switching the machine off. You're probably not going to get that on without, uh, without saving the state or play one of the versions that keeps the numbers in memory. So to elaborate further on this, nearly every round in Bubble Bubble generates two items, a points item that appears first, usually seven seconds in, the value of which depends on how long it took you to finish the previous level, and a special item at 12 seconds that gives you some kind of ability. There's a tremendous variety of these and they give Bubble Bobble a lot of its appeal. What's not well known is the fact that despite appearances, they aren't random at all. Every no. special item has a trigger condition, something you've done in the game up to that point that makes it appear. Internally, Bubble Bobble maintains a large array of counters and is constantly watching, recording everything you do. At the start of every level, the game look, uh, looks through its list and stops when it finds the first counter that's exceeded a specific, a specific target value. This target value is usually unchanging, but for some items depends on the game's operator set difficulty level, of which there are four. When the machine finds a count that's gone over its threshold, it resets that counter to zero and sets, sets a specific special item to appear on that level. 
It only does this once per level. Any other counters that have been passed continue to grow. There is a set order in which the threshold values are checked, usually prioritizing the more exotic and powerful items whose triggers are difficult to activate. It also does this regardless of whether the item actually appears or not. If you finish the level before it shows up, it's lost. The thing about all those counters is they are not reset at the start of the game. Any progress from a previous game made towards generating special items is retained, meaning successive games can take advantage of them to improve their own state. This is what makes playing via MAME a bit more boring than on a physical arcade machine. Emulated, uh, while an emulated MAME machine starts up, all counters are initialized at zero, meaning that the first level, instead of possibly generating an awesome item like a lamp or an umbrella, will see no special item generated at all. That's from that uh, game developer, Gama Sutra, uh, article. Now, all that sounds very technical and complicated and a bit dry, but what it adds up to is endless intrigue and fun, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. That's exactly it. I I love um, games that have a lot going on under the hood, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it makes a game like Bubble Bubble so magical, right? Yeah. And 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 precisely that there is a logic to it that isn't revealed to the player, that isn't being laid bare. Yeah. Uh, Years of research. It... Now we know what it all is, but for decades I had no idea. No, exactly. Well, I knew but it was the happening, fact that it's but there why? and that it, yeah, it yeah. isn't, re- and the fact that it, that there is a, a logic to it, mm. um, and that it isn't random, makes it all the better. Mm. If it would just purely be randomization, there, yeah, there, it would lose a lot of its luster. And this is a game where, like so many games of the time, and this is this came out within a year or around a, a year after Gradius. We talked in our Gradius show about the chances of getting a revival going after dying and losing all your power-ups on on a later level this is very much like that if you if you've got super bubble up i.e long fast bubbles and your training shoe that makes you go double the speed if you lose all that on anything above about level 45 you're probably hosed unless you're very lucky (laughs) or brilliant (laughs) (laughs) yeah wall cheesing is a thing that is clearly built into the design of the game so it it feels slightly disingenuous to call it wall cheesing but actually it's a technique that was absolutely baked in designed to be used and abused there are certain enemies which are trapped encased within platforms that Mm. you cannot get inside well at least not without dying and it's simply about learning to jump up into spaces where you can't move but you can just about spit <laughs> as it were yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's again that's like a a lot of the levels you kind of um it demands that you stand in or not quite pixel perfect but near pixel perfect positioning at speed to get some of these uh tricky little so-and-sos out yeah i think that's uh where uh Originally, Bubble Bubble started putting us off. Mm. <laughs> but once you get into it, actually, some of those levels, I quite like them now because I can execute them yeah. consistently. Uh, yeah. I, I like them now as well, but I can never escape a sense of claustrophobia in those levels. In, uh, in those levels. Yeah. yeah, you can't move. You know, it's just yeah, like, oh, God. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I suppose you just, I, yeah. Whenever I encountered them um, so recent, recent plays, it's like, Right, where's the opposite position? Because I'm not moving. Because this this is death everywhere. 
yeah. dangerous business. Yeah. 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 There's that one screen. I can't remember exactly which number it is, but it says the word. There's there's quite a few screens where there's a word spelled out as part of the level design, like popcorn. But one of them yeah. is uh, one of them is jump. And that level, you have to do a jump on a bubble to get to the first level of enemies. And then but you have to make sure that the timing of the peak of your jump is such that the two enemies that are dashing fast left and right aren't in your way as you make the jump. So it's uh, it's a real kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a high tension moment because if you've got all the power ups going at that point, you can lose them all in a heartbeat and uh, have to claw your way back, which, which may or may not happen. Mm. Extend bubbles. Now this is an interesting subject. So there are six letters, E, X, T, E, and D. The two E's are different colors. You collect each of those bubbles and you get an extra life and you finish the screen as well. You finish the level you're on. Now, if you collect multiples of these bubbles, those also go towards different uh, collectibles. I can't remember exactly what the pathway is, but uh, you can collect more. But there is a potential downside to this because like many video game coin-ops of the era and going forwards, this game had an invisible adaptive difficulty going on in the background, uh, which essentially the more lives you have saved up, the higher the difficulty gets. So uh, what that actually controls is uh, both the enemy speed, the actual speed that they run about, the levels move about, and also the time they stay trapped in the bubbles. So yes, if you are trying to 1cc this and you're heading towards the latter levels of the game, you will find, as I say, that you can bubble things for literally like half a second before they burst out again. So you need to insta-burst them. And to this end, what some players will do is, as with the likes of Battle Garega, they will deliberately not collect the extend balloons because although for normal people like us, we're going extra life, thank goodness. They're thinking, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't need, I'm not going to die because if I die, then I'm going to quit anyway because I'm not going to have the power-ups. So why make the game harder? So they're actually actively avoiding collecting extend balloons. Yeah, it's it, when you see players actually manipulating the play to say, you know, I want to make it easier. And even though this game is giving me a boost, it's not really. Mm. It's just, it, it, yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's giving with yeah. one hand, taking with another. Taking with another. Taking with mm. another. Yeah, so not many games had had uh, multiple endings up to this point. I don't know that this was the first. It usually isn't. Whichever thing you're talking about, there was usually something that predated it. But uh, this was one maybe an early one. If you finish the game with just a solo play and just merely the first 100 levels, you get the bad ending. If you do it co-op, you get the good or happy end. And then to get the true ending, almost in uh, Ghosts and Goblins style, you have to finish a second loop of Bubble Bubble on Super Mode. You'll be at it for a long time. Yeah, it already is a very long arcade game to clear from beginning to end. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I was wondering what my times were because I've been I've been playing it a lot and getting sort of regularly to high thirties and low forties, and I'm not actually yeah. sure how long those games are taking. Not hours, but no. Uh, the video it's, uh, it's definitely up to up to an hour almost. I would say a yeah. hundred levels one cc is about an hour. Yeah, based on yeah. based on what I've seen. So the bad ending. 
if you beat the game in single player, Betty, uh, who's Bub's girlfriend, of course, I hope you've been paying attention, is rescued from a bubble, but not Patty. The yeah. game tells you to never forget your friend and sends you back into the game to try again. <laughs> it's the quite good... scolding as well, isn't it? Like, it is harsh. On, off you pop. Harsh. After all that. If the game, <laughs> however, is beaten in multiplayer, Betty and Patty are rescued. But the game informs you that you have not reached the true ending. The player needs to replay the game in super mode called Super Bubble Bobble. Activating the super mode is done by inputting a certain joystick and button combination, which is provided in the good ending screen and must be deciphered by the alphabet in the first secret room in the starting screen. <laughs> that is so cool. Wow. Yes. Really sending people on a breadcrumb trail. So often, I think I've seen this on MAME where you get to choose, you, you simply just, uh, I guess it's a ROM hack, so you just get to s select super mode. It's already there for you. But yes, in the original coin-op, you have to, you get given a, a, a fairly sort of Byzantine looking code yeah. that appears to be a, a, just a scrawl of uh, uh, hieroglyphs. You then have to take that information. So you'd have had to actually write it down. You wouldn't have been able to, you know, you wouldn't have had, unless you'd had a Polaroid camera with you in 1986, <laughs> you would have just had to yeah, kind of make a mental note. Then you have to get to first round 20 without having lost, lose a life get into the secret room and then it starts giving you clues about how to decipher these hieroglyphics and turn them into information that you input as button presses and, and joystick maneuvers into the game to access the super mode i mean it's amazing mm. isn't it I mean, it's just it, is, it reminds yeah. me of like um what was that uh what were those books chris that that uh, author used to write where they, they they used to send people was it masquerade kit Williams was it the book where you had to try and go and find a golden rabbit rabbit buried in the countryside? It's that oh, kind of that's level right. of yes, yeah. And I think there was a there was a, there were a couple of computer game equivalents of that as well. Eureka, wasn't it? That was yeah. right. Yeah, uh, it's that kind of it, almost that kind of level of yeah intrigue people and, on a wild goose chase. Yeah, it's but, just, um, yeah, I remember seeing those big sort of stone tablets. Going, what that looks like? Yeah, that looks that looks in, that's important. What what is that? Not realizing so now you, the cheat code. Sorry, yeah. So now <laughs> we realize why um, MTJ was uh, making notes and scribbles till uh, till it was early right. in the morning already, till yeah. the sun started coming up. Yeah. Yeah. It was all 3 a.m. You know, decisions. See, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> he explains yeah. the story as well. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, the hidden rooms contained the coded messages, which so even the message once you got to the rooms that they contain coded messages, which is not easy, by the way, getting into the secret rooms, not dying for level twenty levels and then forty levels and so on. Mm. Uh, it, once you decipher the messages, even they're giving you kind of slightly oblique clues. So, for example, if you want to get back your love of truth, you must help each other until the last. That's your clue that you have to finish the game in co-op to yeah. get the happy end, uh, so on and so forth. However, if you do manage to do all that and beat the game in super mode, Betty and Patty are freed. A large bubble dragon drops down and transforms into Bub and Bob's parents. What? And then plays a message. Congratulations. You could help your father and mother. They were controlled by someone. Who is he? No one knows of it. The truth is in the darkness forever. Wow. What? Bonkers. 
bonkers. Like, what, all that effort. You go through all that effort to figure out what the true ending is because you're playing super mode, etc. And then that's it. We didn't even know our parents were missing. A new, master, a new no. mystery was unveiled. Yeah. <laughs> I was not, not aware that they were missing or there was something that we didn't know. And, now and that they were, they were even controlled by someone. Yeah. I Who mean, is it? It's like the world's worst soap opera ever. It's just, no <laughs> one knows of it. No. The no, exactly. Is. I love that. No one the knows tr- of it. Was just, just... <laughs> the... And the truth shall be buried in the darkness forever. It, yeah. it, 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 it is up there with somebody set us up with the bomb. I mean, it's just... It's like the end of Lost. Only yeah. less disappointing. Yeah. Did it ever really end, yeah. though, did it, Leon? Did it really <laughs> ever really end? <laughs> Let's talk about some of the ports and conversions yes, that arrived. <laughs> they started in October 1987, the Spectrum version landed. Uh, the, most of these were under the, the home computer versions were delivered by, a, by Software Creations for British Telecom's Firebird label. But Software Creations were different programmers depending on the format, of course. Uh, this was this one was by Mike Follin, brother of the legendary musician or game musician Tim Follin. Uh, I think Mike also did music on some things, and, and they worked together on various projects. But the tragedy about this is, so listeners to our old uh, video game music podcast, Sound of Play, will know what an astonishing genius Tim Follin was, particularly on the spectrum, where he managed to make sounds that shouldn't have come out of a spectrum come out of a spectrum, as Chris will know. Uh, but the audio on their conversion of Bubble Bobble is really weak. It's uh, it's totally mediocre, even yeah, on the even on the one two eight version. It's just beeps. It's uh, it's such a letdown. It is not and, nearly as horrific as the Amstrad version, though. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it has no in-play music, of course, on the CPC. No. Uh, yeah, the Amstrad CPC and MSX versions arrived uh, again from Firebird. Not sure exactly who behind those july 88 uh, arrived some time later but it was very much worth the wait so this is this game actually uh, forms part of my bubble bubble history that i didn't mention at the first the commodore 64 version so again software creations but this time by stephen ruddy uh, with graphics by andrew threlfall it got a zap 64 gold medal 97 percent review and the reason i remember this particularly because although i didn't I don't think I got to play it very much, if at all, maybe once or twice on a friend's C64, but I didn't have one of my own. But Computer Exchange and Street, Brighton, mid-1980s, mid-late 1980s, the bloke who owned it, Dave, I think. <laughs> um, it, this was where this was my early computer gaming mecca, little, you know, musty, dusty store around the corner from Sainsbury's on the London Road, long since been replaced by a hardware shop i think something like that uh he would always once this came out this was what he was playing i would go in there almost every saturday without fail and for what felt like the next two years possibly you know memory failure on this but he was always sitting there playing the c64 version of bubble bubble it was uh obviously the graphics are chunkier because it was a commodore 64 but i think uh, steve ruddy actually did a pretty good job of observing and understanding kind of what was going on in the game of bubble bubble and, and produced a fairly astonishing conversion yeah the, the, the sprites are much bigger um sort of be said and uh yeah it's a really good sounds great as well i think it would yes it's Sid chip. Chip. Yep. of course um but uh, yeah yeah the, the, the stonking version although i did think the msx pipped it 
T-Bird from the forum says, Bubble Bubble was one of the first games I really fell in love with on my Commodore 64. The simple, cheerful gameplay was lots of fun and kept child me coming back over and over, even when the frustration was mounting. I never finished it, never even got close, but I loved it all the same. I can still whistle that earworm of a tune on command. Hmm. July 1988 as well, actually, but uh, not coded by the same person at all. This was made by Sega, a studio within Sega, don't know which one, for the Master System. This is exciting for Bubble Bobble fans because it's an expanded port known as Final Bubble Wobble, which featured new items, new bosses, and 100 new levels. Chris, I believe you've been dabbling. I have. Wow. What a, what a game. Yeah. Um, the very bright and colourful, a lot of contrasting colours for this one, and plays exceptionally well. I did play it with the little arcade stick I've got with my Sega Master System. Dinky. Um, Another so one, that, yeah, little dinky one. It's a, it's a like a, it's a lovely little controller and uh, quite responsive. My only gripe, mm. and it's not, you know, not to to, uh, to to harp on about this, but there's a lot of flickering going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's like I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm really struggling. Yes, but it's yeah. it's a really good game. It does have. It it reeks of this is an arcade game, but let's make it more palatable to the home audience. Mm-hmm. So what they did is there's a passcode system, right? Yeah. So you can actually, after dying and stuff like that, you can actually just type in this this code uh, okay. and not type well select a code and then they say well you can start from there now. Mm. Is there a limit can, to that or no? You just have to. The only limit is that. Um, it was just, well, as far as I can understand from what I experienced, I mean, I got to about 45 with it, it kept going. So you could sort of like just type in and then it right. start again from 45 after you turned it off. So for me, that felt like they were looking at it going, this is more of an adventure game. It happens to be an arcade game, but let's treat it like an adventure game where you save your progress and then carry on playing. And that's how they approached it, which made it for... Uh, a very different experience. It plays exceptionally well, uh, and it's definitely, um, yeah, it's definitely. They knew what they were doing. They knew how the game worked. Right, feels and, authentic. Behavior mm, is accurate-ish. Yes, the yeah. negatives are. It's yeah, it's struggling. It's flickering. Out of the two, between the one we're about to talk about now and, and uh, I, I would, prefer, I would definitely prefer to Sega Master and Port. So yeah, November 88 was the Famicom and or NES versions. This was coded by Taito themselves, but the American team features 13 more levels, not 100, but 13, which the player must clear if they collect the crystal ball at level 99, according to the Bubble Bubble Wiki. Mikhail, did yeah. you ever did you ever get hold of this in the end? I can't remember what you said. I know you said you were going to no. get it and then you didn't. And no, no, we, we didn't buy it. And then uh, at one point I could play it uh, via the original arcade version. But I remember it to be a very good version yes, of the game. Yes, I think it's well uh, well regarded. Yeah, very well regarded. Some people uh, you know, will tell you that it's one of the best NES games ever made, mm. uh, even though it's not originally an, an NES game, of course. Well, yeah. Mm. But um, 
Yeah, there's just there there might be even more flicker going on in the yeah, uh, in the sure. master system version. Well, I, the, I, when I, you when you're spitting a lot of bubbles around, yeah, it gets pretty uh, yes. flickery. And looking at it, the colors are much duller than the yeah state of yeah. The master system had yeah. a a bigger palette, didn't it? Bigger much? palette, that's quite definitely cool. yeah. Brighter colors in general yeah. overall. And yeah. I think that yeah. game really sings. It really makes that machine sing. Sorry to do it again, but yeah. But the, the, yeah. the NES version is a fine fine port. It really is. Yeah, yeah. We I mentioned agree. them already. May 1989, mm. the Amiga and ST versions came along by David Broadhurst under that software creations label for Firebird. I bought it when it was out on, uh, it was re-released on the budget label, Hit Squad, which was Ocean's budget label, actually. Uh, of course, the other thing we should mention about it is that uh, it had no two-button controller support because it was before such oh, things yeah. were even kind oh. of a consideration. So up to jump. Up to jump. Up yeah. to jump. Yeah. The horror, but yeah, yeah that's Afraid what so. you're gonna do. What are you gonna do? I guess, I guess it kind of works in this game. It was all right. Uh, yeah. Other than that, it's just three directions. You know, there's nothing. Uh, I was, mess- yeah, messing with it, that, yeah, that's true. Uh, I was, I was just happy to have it looking and sounding relatively authentic. But yes, I'm pretty sure that all that amazing behind-the-scenes stuff was not accurately reproduced in this version whatsoever. Mm. It was, I think, I think they gave it a decent stab. But there was no, there was no way they had access to the source code. So, uh, yeah. But you know, for the time, it was for eight quid on a budget label to have a relatively competent home version was was fun enough, and I played yeah. it qu- quite I, a I, lot. I've already said enough, maybe on this, but I just felt it was like up there with the other arcade ports on the sixteen bits, like Position, Gauntlet, etc. They were just exceptional. Steve Norman from our forum says Bubble Bobble is sacred ground for me. Playing with my brothers on the Spectrum and then the ST are some of my most treasured gaming memories. I can't think of any version I've played since, including the original, that isn't still a joy to play. I've never spent much time with any spin-offs, though. No need. <laughs> yeah. FM Towns in 1990 by Ving with an arranged OST in Super Bubble Bobble mode. So that, that makes it a bit of a collector's item. Also... Mm. According to Bubble Bobble Wiki, it features a unique set of graphics. If the code I love you is entered, Bub and Bob's spikes are altered to look like a bow on their heads and all of the enemies are changed. Cute. Cute. March 1990 and the conversions are still coming. We've got the Sharp X68000 version by Dempa. This is great. Developed by Dempa with MTJ's direct supervision. The version includes a hidden minigame called Cybublan which features an original set of very difficult levels, with the whole game being given a visual motif to resemble the arcade game Civilian. Ah, yeah, right, with the crazy golden dragon. Right, exactly. 1994, and it's handheld time. We've got the Sega Game Gear version. Now, I know I've missed a Game Boy version, but that's because it's different. Coming to it later. Game Gear version is based on the Master System conversion, but of course it's zoomed in because of the window, you know, the screen size and the uh, pixel uh, resolution, whatever. Uh, no scrolling, though, so it is all contained on one screen, unlike some versions. Um, so, yeah, given Chris's lording of the MS version, I guess that's probably all right if you've, yeah, got, yeah. If you've got a power pack. And or an infinite supply of batteries. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we mentioned already the double pack from uh, Acclaim. I think it was in 1996 for the Saturn and the PS1. Bubble Bubble also featuring Rainbow Islands. 
comes with a frankly disturbing CG intro, which uh, still haunts me yeah. to this day. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> what happens in there. It's just it's kind of special. It's just very nine. It's very oh. low rent nineteen ninety six British CG. It's yeah, and it's yeah. got a creepy gurgling, giggling bub child in it, and it's just oh, it's just yeah. not needed. It's, it's not very weird. Is it as disturbing as the uh, US box art for Puzzle Bubble or um, Buzz the Move? It's got less sticky Two? baby no, spit in it. It's, it's not bad. No, that no, is that, just weird. The, the one that I'm referring to oh. has blue balls screaming in agony with oh. sticks holding their eyes open. Okay. Oh, no, no I thought, yes, no, that, the, that was no. the UK one. The, yes, with the spit. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah. Horrifying. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the Bubble Bob version on the Saturn PlayStation version, as I say, you've got nine credits on Saturn or 15 on PlayStation for whatever reason. I don't know if they've re-released the Saturn version with more credits, maybe on a later disc pressing or something, but I doubt it. It was an arcade close version. I don't know what code it's based on. Uh, the Saturn version was released first and then PlayStation a little later. It's got slightly, quotes, enhanced sprites, which I don't yes. think ever needed touching. But, no, you know, sometimes they did, anyway. they did it anyway. So at least it makes it a kind of, you know, it's collectible or whatever. Uh, but you just got this one through, didn't you? I did. Um, it's a really good port, I think. There's there's some timing issues and stuff. It's definitely, after playing the arcade for so long, mm. your muscle memory doesn't quite work with it. But... Uh, I do like the new sprites. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. going to be a, like a purist and sure, stuff. It sure. just took me by surprise, but it works very, very well. I actually played it on a PlayStation Three with 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 an arcade stick. By the way, that's a, again the arcade. In fact, all of the versions I played, I was I was using an arcade stick because it's way easier to play it with than uh, than a regular controller. In my humble opinion well yes uh, obviously it was originally designed with with the, a lever and buttons in mind but um yeah. yes your mileage may vary i think some of the best players in the world probably now using like 8-bit dough pads or whatever but you know yes whichever you enjoy the most indeed but uh, but, uh, but clicky clacky buttons and a stick certainly uh, yeah, adds 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 something does. Uh, 2002 handheld again gba game boy advance there was uh, an old version within the older new compilation uh, which has uh, it's a relatively accurate port i believe but it's zoomed in and the screen scrolls around which if you don't know the levels really really well it's not ideal is it because it's quite easy to die even when you can see the whole of the screen without enemies yeah. coming at you from places you can't quite I see i have this but i, I didn't find it uh, is it in like a collection or is it well it's literally out? bubble bubble old and new is the release oh, okay no, so, I don't think yeah so. i never yeah. bought it just because the new the version scrolling. was not meant to be all that and the old version has the scrolling so. yeah so but well, you know again yeah. interesting uh there was a windows version february 2004 uh which i did have i had the double it was again it was a double another double pack but it wasn't the same conversions i think it was pretty much basically based on the the ROMs that you would play on MAME. So I think it was just a legal way of playing the way you'd play it on PC anyway kind of thing. It was in one of those, uh, you know, budget label PC releases. There was an unreleased mobile version, which was coming together for 2004. And it was by C uh, Steve Ruddy again, who made the amazing C64 conversion. Uh, he was doing it for Pyland, but uh, for whatever reason, it didn't come out. The DS got a version too, of course, 2005, a classic version 
port within Bubble Bubble Revolution, which was uh, or Bubble Bubble DS as it was known in Japan, a very poorly received update to Bubble Bubble, but that classic version within that is meant to be fine again, as you'd hope, running on a DS. You can play it two-player via wireless. DS is in the air, so that would be quite nice. Uh, then there's that 2005 Taito Memories Jokan or Taito Legends Volume 1 compilation, which came out on PS2, Xbox and Windows PC, which uh, you two both have. And Mikhail, this is still your your primary way of playing Bubble Bubble, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the only... Uh... It's the only version of the game I have, actually. Any options in there, visual or otherwise? Can you play with the dip switches? I can't remember. It's a long time. Since you can set it to easy, normal and hard. And easy yeah. starts you off with five lives and grants oh. you an early extended 20,000 points. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um... So you can, you can keep playing a little bit longer than... Uh, okay. I assume it still has the, the rank adaptive difficulty. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it still yeah, has yeah. that in yeah. there, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it has the uh, video interviews and stuff like that. So yes, the, and the flyers. Yeah, quite nice. That's yeah. all good. Good stuff. There was a Java yeah. J2ME version in two thousand six. Don't know anything about it, particularly. The NES version yeah. was re-released on the three virtual consoles in two thousand and seven on the Wii, two thousand and thirteen on the three DS, and two thousand and fourteen on the Wii U. There's legal ways of playing that. I don't think it's on the NES online, is it? On the Switch um, at this point. Don't think so. It might, it might very well be. I don't think it yeah. is. I think I looked mm. and I think it wasn't there. But forgive okay. me if I'm wrong, listener. But I guess, yeah, yeah I'm not sure. Because they've done deals with certain publishers, right? But maybe not yeah. Maybe not Taito. Or Square, Square Enix yeah, and Taito, does no, it, do they? Those online uh, services are kind of interesting with the the type of publishers they yeah. deal with. A lot of a lot of B listers like uh, Telenet and Jellico. Yes, and those sort of companies. Yeah, which yeah. means you get some interesting games, but also some interesting games. Exactly. <laughs> June the twentieth, two thousand and fourteen. Which version do you think came out? Amstrad CPC. That's right. Of course, it was. Nice. It's actually I a can't. bootleg. It's a bootleg yeah. remake. Uh, it's called BB4CPC by CNG Soft. And yeah, it's just a massive upgrade on the official conversion. Uh, it can't make any worse, that's for sure. <laughs> it's like, a, it's unrecognizable. It's like, you know, you see this quite a lot now, people going back to systems where arcade or, you know, conversions of, of games were rushed or inadequate or, you know, badly implemented or whatever. And a fan will go back and, and do it better. Do it properly uh, through blood, sweat, tears and passion. And uh, this was one of those. Nice. I guess it's still out there. Uh, and yeah, March 2016, the PS4, which is this version is playable on the PS5, which is how I've been playing it recently. Dear Old Hamster and their Arcade Archives series. This is arcade emulation. There's just one ROM. I, I don't think there were wild differences between the different ROMs of Bubble Bubble around the world anyway but yeah there's just one version of the game to play as i say it keeps track of all your not only your high scores but also the background stuff it's got an online ranking and it's got high score mode and a caravan mode where you try to score as many points as possible in five minutes and yeah it's my favorite way to play absolutely spot on and it costs five pounds 79 i think it is on the 
shop so you really can't go wrong with that version in my opinion if £5.79 is too much well obviously you can go and download MAME or whatever and most recently one more official version of Bubble Bobble within Bubble Bobble for Friends we'll talk a bit more about that game in a bit the Switch uh, first and then PS4 there's an emulation of the coin op but it has very limited options in fact they didn't have any options at all but they did add uh, a scanline and rescaling option with a patch but it's got no you've got no access to dip switches and it doesn't keep track of anything other than your best score so mm. it's a, it's it's fine the emulation is decent it plays it plays right as far as i can tell but i would always go to the hamster ps4 version over this with the choice but it's portable of course so there is that there's a couple of missing ones there so there's ios and android that's currently out which is sadly free to play and it's touch screen controls is that uh bubble bubble for cacao yeah is that there or... yes hmm. and there's also the spectrum next version as well oh i didn't know i didn't get that one so what's what's that is it it's, it's uh, basically they've taken, they're using the power of the Spectrum Next to actually emulate it to the point where it's more or less indistinguishable from the arcade. Oh, There's okay. actually lots and lots of arcade ports on the Spectrum now, Spectrum Next, right. because of its relative power. Oh, even I see. Though it's ult- okay. ultimately, uh, but so it, it can do extraordinary things. Um, so but this yeah. is really un- in the unofficial emulation category along with MAME, isn't it? As I such, because so. it's not an official release, right? No, no, no. Yeah. So, uh, Alex, Alex79 for the, from the forum says, I wish the original arcade game was available on Switch as part of the Arcade Archive series. I'd love to play it without having to pay £35 for the recent game. Yeah, you can understand why they haven't re- released it on Arcade Archives on the Switch because Taito want you to buy Bubble Bubble for friends for 35 quid. And yes, mm. sadly, there's no Arcade ar- Arcade Archives version on Xbox either or PC. So just on PS4. Yep, just PS4. So yeah, we're also talking sequels, spin-offs, and successors. Jump in if you've played them. The original uh, Bubble Bobble, well, it wasn't the original Bubble Bobble. It was a game called Bubble Bobble, released for the Game Boy in 1991. It's really, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's, I don't know if you'd say loosely based. It's somewhat based on Bubble Bobble, but it's not really Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble Part 2 arrived for the NES and Game Boy in 1993. This is one of, I think, at least three or four games which are called either Bubble Bobble Part 2 or Bubble Bobble 2 or the story of Bubble Bobble 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think this... Some of them are Bubble Bubble 2, some of, are just the story of Bubble Bobble That's 2. That's right, sometimes just the story. I think this yeah. one's uh, quite well regarded. Again, my sort of lack of experience with NES stuff is showing... Yeah, it's an it's a NES-only sequel and... It looks very much like an NES platformer as well. Yeah. Which is interesting. That uh, sort of bluish uh, background. You'll need it to complete your your total Bubble Bobble collection, though. Uh, and even as yeah. a massive fan of the original game, I don't feel the need, I've got to say, to collect all of these. But for the sake of yeah. completion, we're going through them. Here's an interesting one, though. Bubble Bubble yeah. 2, also known as Bubble Symphony. Yeah. This is a 1994 arcade game. And came out on the Sega Saturn. Now, I never got around to getting this, which is, I feel like, a big failing of mine. I have played it on emulation a bit, 
but I'm not hyped. It's so good. But you, yeah. So do you? This is like maybe the one sequel that really deserves to be talked about alongside the original, maybe. Oh yeah, it's like uh, it's like the original but supercharged. Yeah, like everything you love about the original is there, but more of it. And not only that, it's also a um, sort of celebration of Taito yeah. with uh, a lot of references and crossovers of other Taito games. So there's a Kiki Kai Kai world. Mm. There's a uh, Darius world. There's a Space Invaders world. Liquid there's Kids. There's a Rula world. Yeah. Liquid Kids. Yeah, mm. so many things are in there. So many items. A lot of different enemies. If you felt like the, the, the 10 different enemy types of the original were uh, getting on a bit... Yeah, that's you have no such trouble here because every stage or every world, the stages are divided up into worlds, is themed. So there are a lot of enemies that will only appear in one world and then never again, for example. Yeah. And they have their own little behaviors and things that you need to work around. And um, there is a, a Darius-style branching path through branching path throughout right, the, yeah. the game yeah. so you pick one of two door doors at the end of each world where you defeat a boss so there's a boss fight at the end of each world as well and uh yeah you can pick your path through the game uh it's just uh it's just a joy it's just a massive celebratory bubble bubble experience i did really like it my my one issue with it and this is probably just lack of exposure in that i haven't played it for a million hours but it's also partly in comparison to the original bubble bubble the backgrounds are so colorful and elaborate that i sometimes they're lose lovely. sight of what's going on <laughs> they're lovely they are nice I, I, but I, I, they, I think they don't aid I think gameplay I can, necessarily yeah not really they make it all look more sugary and attractive yeah um and yeah i think uh, after playing for a while you can you learn to separate yeah, separate sure. them from the rest of the action the good news is, as well as that import Saturn version, this was also included in Taito Legend 2. for, uh, But not uh, the uh, domestic versions. It was only on uh, the Japanese versions. Or was no, it? No, no, no. It was on, it was, it was on it the was European Xbox version. It was exclusive. And, yeah, yeah, it was exclusive to a console. That was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they did that yeah. with the, those two collections. Annoying. That's why I've got yeah. both. I've got one yeah. for PS2, one for Xbox. Yeah, uh, uh, the Xbox. And I haven't PS. actually delved into it though. I need to check it out. I'm yeah, annoyed at myself. Yes, it's uh, too many games. The many proper games. sequel. The Xbox and PS2 versions run in an upscanned 640 by 448, but that gives they end up with a slightly blurrier image compared to the arcade and Saturn versions. A PS1 version was completed and was going to be published by Virgin, but never released, which is a shame. Uh, and yes, there is an arcade version that you can emulate as well. Super Bubble Bobble MD. This is another bootleg from 1995 for the Mega Drive and Genesis by Gamtech, which I think Brazilian. This was, yeah. this was from the era when um, Sega machines were absolutely like uh, ubiquitous in Brazil, right? So yeah, people would make games. Even the name of uh, Gamtech sounds very bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, after Symphony came Bubble Memories, the story of Bubble Bubble 3, yeah. which is also the subtitle of Parasol Stars. <laughs> is this exactly. where we find out about what happened to the parents? We don't, I, do we? Maybe. I, I'm not sure about the plot, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, we, could, we should ask uh, Stuart, Stuart uh, Campbell, yeah. Stuart Campbell, yeah. I think it's a prequel, in fact. 
Bubble Memories, hence the name. I think so, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. set. That's what I read as well. Before Bubble Bubble, but it takes yeah. some of the stuff from Memories. Now it seems to be that it's um, this sequel is slightly less well regarded overall. Yeah, it's l- less well regarded than uh, Bubble Symphony. Is just they took a lot of steps back from that mm. game again. Yeah, uh, and not really available on any anything other than the arcade. Yeah, yeah. Some other games uh, or releases <clears throat> that featured at least Bubble Bubble characters and or other elements of the IP would include Packy's Treasure Slot from uh, from the arcades of Japan in 1997, which is one of your uh, medal winning games or, you know, ticket ticket types of games. There was another one, Bubble and Roulette in 98 and Bubblin' No Kuru Kuru Jump in 1999. The characters were still popular and, of course, they were still coming out in any number of Puzzle Bubble games at this point as well. Uh, Bubble Bubble Game Boy Color version in 1999 by Gaga Communications. I think it's uh, okay. (laughs) There was a (laughs) patchy slot version, of course, Pachinko in 2001, Bubble Bubble EX. There's that uh, Bubble Bubble, the new version, which is the remake. uh, And like that Master System, I guess, in a similar way, allows the player to skip levels to the furthest level they reached. Bubble Bubble Revolution. I mentioned it already on the DS in 2005. I simply avoided this because the reviews were so mediocre that I thought, why would I play a game that just because it's called Bubble Bubble something, but Eurogamer gave it a 2 out of 10, and I was thinking, yeah, I probably don't need to play that. (laughs) No. Similarly, on the PSP, Bubble Bubble Evolution. Uh, Similarly, four out of ten reviews everywhere. Um, You know, I think Taito was just... uh, It was trying stuff out, let's say. Um, Yeah, you know, with these uh, kinds of efforts, they don't don't have the uh, original designers behind them, of course, obviously. exactly. Um, Yeah. Bubble Bubble Double Shot was the next DS release. And that was in 2007. I think that was, uh, I was going to say it was slightly better received, but looking, no, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Rising Star publishes in the EU. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's another four out of 10 kind of deal if you're looking at review scores. So again, I gave it a wide berth. Didn't even bother pirating it. That's how much I cared. (laughs) That did include DS in the title though, Double Shot. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, they, you always get, an extra, they used to do. always get an extra yeah. point for that. Yeah. Now, this one I have played, Bubble Bubble Plus. This was also by Dreams, who were involved in some of those other games we just mentioned. 2009 came WiiWare first and then released for Xbox Live Arcade as Bubble Bubble Neo. I don't know why they changed the name. Uh, it contained several playing modes, a remake sort of containing 100 classic stages and a new story mode containing 100 new stages and super versions of those stages. There were also uh, downloadable content packs, extra one and two, with very hard stages and new boss characters, uh, included three and four player support for those extra levels. Uh, I still have this installed on my Wii U as a WiiWare game. Uh, it's not, it's it's good, but it's not right. <laughs> it's like, okay. it's, it, it all, it's wrong. Like it, it's got enough bubble bubble about it to not be an entirely hateful experience, but they've 
sort of imitated the surface without understanding all the complexities and depth, I would say. Uh, not to yeah, not to be played over any of the official emulated versions or whatever, in my opinion. Bubble Bubble Double on the iOS, iOS platform in 2010. Don't remember. Bubble Bubble for Kakao, 2015, iOS and Android. Is this the free-to-play one? Yeah, I'm so sorry about it. I didn't realise we were skipping over into like the, the variants because it does have the core game in there. I just like it is okay. There's no way of buying it outright. You have to buy these special like jewels and hmm. buy continues, and it's just all right. And it doesn't support any controller con- uh, controls. You have to have on screen, which is rather annoying because if your yeah. hand just goes slightly Yeesh. off the fire button, then uh, you don't do anything, and it's just yeah. I tried it. I did try. Yeah, fair play. Um, and uh, yeah, don't everyone just. Uh, I think. <laughs> Yeah, we give, uh, we think it's best to say, but you you, you get to finish off with Bubble Bubble for Friends now, aren't you? Mm. Yes, Bubble Bubble for Friends, 2019 for the Switch, and then uh, in Europe first, weirdly, then in Japan later, and then North America, and then the PS4. Yeah, uh, because you want to play with people that are your friends and not people that you don't particularly care correct. for. Correct. Uh, yes, I I bought this, but. I bought this, I bought a 100 euro or whatever it was, there or thereabouts, physical edition, but really virtually nothing to do with the Bubble Bobble for Friends game whatsoever. It was all to do with all the stuff that came in the box about Bubble Bobble. <laughs> so, but I have played it through. I completed it the other day. Oh, so it, it, it did arrive after all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it took it took a while, yeah. but um, yeah, strictly limited yeah. stuff normally takes a while. But when it arrives, it's uh, it tends to be very nice indeed. So yeah. shout out to that uh little German company with their physical edition. Yeah, I got uh, the Cotton Reboot for yeah, Nintendo Switch. There we go. Yeah. yeah, I just got uh, the Space Invaders Invincible collection and I'm awaiting the Turrican one. Um, nice. But yes, Bubble Bubble, it's a very nice box. It comes in a, uh, or it came, I, I doubt this is, I, I doubt there are any of these left to order, but it, it came in a box that emulated the original box of the CPU for the original Bubble Bubble coin-up. comes with the book, with the, um, like a, soundtrack and various other nice items so the game itself bubble bubble for friends um was rather an afterthought what was quite nice though the the original version came out and the reviews were so so like sixes and sevens kind of kind of thing but then they actually kind of went back and added a load of content upgraded it and improved it to a a later version they've added uh, they added the baron is back which is a kind of hundred level throwback to more to the original style of game, room by room. Uh, and I think a very recent update on Steam is the Baron's Workshop, which is a level creator, I guess. Yeah, so, it is the original game, the Baron is back, and a level creator yeah. all in one. Okay. What I would say about the actual, the main Bubble Bubble for Friends, now I haven't played it with friends i think maybe i had one quick session with with pete who i completed the original with all those years ago but i haven't played it properly in cop but playing it single player i just think it's okay it's it's not a bad time but it's no bubble bubble like it again it captures on the surface what some of the mechanics of bubble bubble are about uh but um you know you can tell it's quite low budget and Obviously, it doesn't involve any of the original people and MTJ is long since passed and whatever else. Yeah. Bubble Bubble, 
the, the the characters themselves manage to be obviously they're they're polygonal and they're highly animated now but they they don't have the same charm to me as the the original little tiny little sprites did so it's yeah it's it's okay i just thought it was okay um it's not it's not badly designed or or you know like the controls are all fine and 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 all that but it's not it's not like bubble bubble 4 like in the way that you would hope that Streets of Rage 4 was or or or, right. or Sonic Mania was a new Sonic game it's not that it's it's something yeah. it's another game with bubble bubble in the title rather than a bubble bubble sequel i guess yeah the story of bubble bubble 4 <laughs> yeah they should have called it that <laughs> Old Peck from our forum says, I remember the Bubble Bubble music singing out across the arcade and I sank quite a few coins into it as a youth without ever really getting very good at it, I must admit. It's perhaps difficult to choose a favourite arcade game of all time, but Bubble Bubble would be in the mix. And now I've just paid 55 Australian dollars to buy Bubble Bubble for friends on PlayStation and 100 bucks for a fourth controller so I can play it with all of my kids. So I guess Bob and Bob still have the power to extract coin from my wallet. See, I mean, he's going to have a good time there playing it with three kids or whatever. Yeah. And finally, uh, this is a, a slightly more mute, muted take, but I, I actually, you know, I think this is, it, it's good because, you know, I'm going to be the final summary on this and it's going to be, you know, a bit hyperbolic because this game's special to me. <laughs> but I also am very aware that not everyone's going to have the same level of affection for this game and so we have uh, Wu King Long here from the forum who says Bubble Bubble is a series I often confused with Puzzle Bubble when I was younger if the arcade cabinet has the cute dragons it must be the same series right well it kind of is the same series that aside I've always adored Taito's aesthetics for this and related series but never really played the games I'm too young to have been there for the halcyon days of the arcades but sitting down with older titles for Kane and Rince I had some fun although I generally didn't feel compelled to keep playing after I ran out of continues or got stuck on one of the later floors. I'm glad I checked the series out. The aesthetics and music are wonderful. I just wish I enjoyed the gameplay a bit more than I do. Fair enough. That may be your, your experience as well, listener. Or you may fall in love. Who knows? Anyway, we have some pithy three-word reviews from Twitter. Follow us at Kane and Rince. Chris. From the same poster, we've got uh, Wu Quinglong, who says, Deadly. Dragon. Bubbles. The King Rocker says, Encapsulation. Elevation. Defenestration. Sean R. 1974 says, Baron von Blubber. Uh, Alex is my kid, says, Colourful childhood memories. Bearfish Pie says, Ever effervescent effort. Deadbeat Punk says, Theme song Earworm. MD Scribbuffs says, Still my ringtone. <laughs> Andrew Elmore says, Bub, Bob, forever. Steve Norman says, Pure gaming happiness. Nice. Thank you very much, everybody. Now let's see if we can summarize all that information into a brief little paragraph. And would we even recommend or, and, and or which version? would we recommend people sort out, seek out, even? Uh, let's start with Chris. Whilst my first encounter with Bobble was indeed on an Atari ST, it, looping back to my original, my opening gambit of this fine episode, at least I think it has been, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to really, once again, 
recognise the genius and ingenuity behind the creation of this game. It cannot be understated. It's not what you think. Everything you think you've got it, and when as soon as you do, it really does pull the rug from underneath you very quickly. And yeah. it's, a, it's a triumph. It's an absolute triumph in game design. Something I have a personal passion about, and to see it in its embryonic stages, it doesn't get everything right. Definitely not. Some bits that are profoundly unfair uh, to the point where because it's so shrouded in in uh, in in, in hidden aspects that uh, no no one could actually fathom until you actually really start to study it when in fact it's not just little dinosaur popping balloons and or bubbles i should say it's way there's there's, there's stuff going on here there's layers everyone yeah and no one knows of it no no and like i said earlier i'm quite proud to say that if you want the random element yeah it's you you're the random element so what port should you play Whilst I really, really like the Sega Master System, and it is really a good, good um, addition, and it does allow you to save progress and you can continue playing afterwards. Mm. That's great. And it's got the end, extra levels. Yay. Um, I really love the PS4 um, version, which is uh, very, very close to the arcade original. Plays exceptionally well. Does allow save state. A little bit clunky to reload it, though. Um, you've got to quit. And start again. Yeah, we should say um, it's a suspend state. It's not you can't yeah. make save states. It's a no. it's a one and done suspend. One and done. Yeah. yeah. So you've got one save. And it's a, you've got to quit out of the thing. So it's rather clunky, but it's there. Uh, and I just found it the most responsive, the most engaging. It just really felt like this is how it was originally intended. Although, like I said, Sega Master System gets gets a big old thumbs up from me too. Thanks, Chris. Mikhail. Um, yeah, thinking back about uh, Bubble Bubble and my history with it, um, I think the thing that made it so enduring for me is its wonderful aesthetics. Um, if I think back about just video game characters that uh, make me immediately happy, these two two dragons come to mind: the the green one, green one, and the and the blue one. Hmm. And like you said, also all the scoring items. Um, I didn't initially really fall in love with the gameplay. And if I um, look at games in this genre, there might even be more games that, just from a pure gameplay uh, perspective, I uh, I enjoy a little bit more. For example, something like Snow Brothers, which is just so satisfying to encase an enemy in ice and then bowl them along the stage taking all the enemies in their path with them it's uh it's amazing stuff but uh bubble bubble is the originator of this particular style and pace of single screen kill them in two steps platformers and um and you know having learned about all its intricacies just just know you you just can't help but respect it, and it's still a great time to 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 play. And I've grown to appreciate it more and its intricacies and the tricks you have to pull to complete some of the levels. It's all super ingenious, like uh, like Chris was saying. And for that, it's also a real flag bearer. When people seem to think or or think about arcade games of the eighties, they they think about simple affairs uh, that are dead hard. Meant to wrap you of your quarters, but just look at the uh, 
incredibly intricate game dis the game design on display here. That's that's something to be treasured and cherished, I think, and uh, this early on already. And then finally, um, if I would recommend a version, the original, you can't go wrong with that. I would uh, definitely try to go for the purest version, uh, meaning the uh, arcade version emulated in any uh, accurate way you can. And But I might just these days love to play the uh, sequel Bubble Symphony a little bit more. There's, uh, there's much more to del delve into and, and to enjoy in there. Uh, so if you have the chance to seek that one out, I definitely very much recommend it. Mm, nice. And uh, yeah, I definitely think we can, uh, we can think about doing a Snow Brothers one and two show one day. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Nick and Tom. I'm not sure they're on the list. I mean, I do prefer Bubble Bubble, but there is no game in the Bubble Bubble series which has the subtitle With New Elves. Oh, exactly. Yeah. There are few games that do. Exactly. Just the one, Probably. I think. Just the one. Although I think more games should have that subtitle. I don't know, really? Resident yeah. Evil 2 with new elves. With Civilization new, okay. 2 with new elves. With new elves, yeah. It well, works yeah, with they, anything. They did release a fantastical pack world expansion, so elves there. <laughs> no elves <laughs> allowed. Anyway. Um, right. This is a tough one for me to summarise. I've been trying to think of some words, but I'm struggling because yeah this game is just about as important as video games get to me and that's somebody for whom video games are as important as just about anything else like that i can name breathing breathing well yeah you know if i could do one for the rest of my life which would it be um <laughs> but yeah bubble bubble is genuinely one of my all-time favorite video games if somebody forced me to name my all-time game it would be in it would be in my mind i'm you know i'm not sure i have actually that one game but if i had to this would certainly be in the mix in the final cut on my epic shelf as our friend darren used to say and what's interesting is obviously you know, this being cane and rinse we've talked a lot about the the depths of the game and we've gone into the nitty-gritty and the detail and I mean, actually, there are some documents out there. We we could have just simply spent two hours just actually reading the mechanics of the game out. And it's it probably still would have been very interesting to me and very boring to others. But all that, all that dry, factual, mechanical stuff, it's all in service of this staggering game. This yeah. extraordinarily deep, complex game. But it's... For me, it's just so much fun. It just never stops being fun. This is, I, I do have games from even earlier than 1986 that I still love to play, like Gallagher and, and a few others. But if there's ever a game that I genuinely think is pretty much, you know, I for me is timeless, Bubble Bubble is the one that comes to mind. Like, I don't think it's necessarily... Yeah, I, I hear what Mickey was saying about Symphony and, and I enjoy that game and I should probably play it more. But for me, like the, the phrase I found myself thinking I wanted to say the other day was I probably would have been happy enough if Bubble Bubble had been the last video game ever made because I could have just played Bubble Bubble for the, for the rest of my life and I would have been okay with that um, because it just I just find it so intensely and endlessly satisfying 
to complete those screens. It has frustrating moments. Believe me, I still mess up jumps. I still get trapped in, in holes. Sometimes the enemy just gets that little bit too aggressive and makes a turn where I feel like it shouldn't have done. But again, I know that it's all happening because of these algorithms and this incredible thought that MTJ and his team put into making this game. Um, I'm sure there were more things I wanted to say about Bubble Bobble, but you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast for, for 10 years nearly and has listened to me talking about a lot of games knows that I've played a lot of games. I love a lot of games. I tend to be enthusiastic and positive about more games than not. But yeah, this one, I can't think of a game that's more important to me and that I think is more special. And if you do want to play it, um, I hope I haven't kind of oversold it because you might just look at it and go, it's just some platforming and bubbles and dinosaurs and you know you'd be right in a way uh but i do recommend that uh, arcade archives version assuming if you have access to a ps4 and or a ps5 that is the way to go officially it's under six quid or under eight dollars or whatever and yeah it's arcade perfect emulation it's highly responsive hamster are really good at uh at making sure that the emulation is is up to snuff but of course you can play it for free illegitimately if you want and ideally i mean and it's a dream of mine i'd be terrible with the maintenance of such a thing but yeah if there was like one thing in my life that i wanted to own it bubble bubble coin op maybe a rainbow islands coin up maybe rainbow islands is slightly above it the direct sequel but anyway it's up there as as one of the cabs that i would i would love to have so yeah bubble bubble i think it's quite good <laughs> Sorry for it is, the uh, it's also available on Antstream as well. I forgot about that. Yeah, Antstream as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't actually know what the sort of situation with how how they how they how they operate, as it were. But yeah, they they, yeah, they seem to be fairly perfectly legitimate. But yeah, they just license it off. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. And you and I just like to point fee. out also okay. that uh, what you said, Leon. Somebody might uh, after. Listening to mm. your story might pick it up and uh, think it's just platforming with dinosaurs and bubbles. But on the same token, they might think it's platforming with dinosaurs <laughs> and bubbles. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It, that's the thing. Like, it's, to, you, fall, you fall in either of those <laughs> to two. Go back to go right? back to the start of the show almost. Like, it's such an endearing and appealing just setup bubble blowing yeah. brontosauri as they used to be sometimes exactly. referred to. They're not brontosaurus, but anyway. That's all but that's what all the complexities and all the nuance leads back to. The only yeah, the only game I can possibly get more excited about doing a podcast about maybe the the the, the direct sequel, Rainbow Islands, which is yeah. uh, which is even more special to me, arguably. But um mm. anyway, we will hopefully do that maybe next year. We'll see. Yeah. Well it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Chris, Mikhail, Editor Jay, our correspondents, and plus, of course, you for listening. Next time, in issue 485, world domination starts here with Sid Meier's Civilization and Civ 2. Thank you.